Hello everyone, welcome back to Addictive Talk. This week we're going to be doing a slightly different take on the podcast. A little bit of a Q&A between myself and Stuart, who is the camera slash director of our podcast. Um, we've gone through sort of social media and looked at some of the most prominent questions and topics that are around right now within the areas that I've got at least a little bit of knowledge in. So we're going to fire away with some of those questions and yeah, let's get down to it. Stu, fire away. Okay, so the first question that I found come from a user on TikTok who said, what has been the most difficult part of healing for you whilst on this journey? The most difficult part of healing has been processing pain for the first time ever. When I started using drugs from 13, it was not to my knowledge to block out pain. I never wanted to deal with pain ever. So I spent most of my life avoiding it. But then when you stop taking drugs, it's like every single thing that you've avoided dealing with emotionally suddenly hits you at once. And when you do that, <clears throat> for various different things that I've had to heal over, but when you do that, it is such an overwhelming emotional pain that it feels physical as well to the point where you just can't move, can't breathe. Like it's yeah, the most overwhelming feeling ever. And I think that's why so many people relapse when they come out of, um, when they stop using drugs and they go back to it because they get to that point and it's like, it is a lot. It's a lot to bear. Days and weeks sometimes of just not even leaving the house, can't physically get out of bed, crying uncontrollably. Sometimes you don't even know why just all these feelings, all these emotions that you have to process. But then that's happened various times throughout the last four years. Various things that I've had to deal with. You know, when you're doing therapy, you're digging up all the things you've been running from your entire life. And then they're also not only running from them, denying that they ever really had any effect on you. But in doing that work, you actually realise that you're more of your trauma, you're more of what happened to you than you are of yourself. You don't know who you are. That's another one. Like, fuck, fuck. Like, okay, so everything I think I am and all the things I've been doing for all these years really isn't what I want to be doing. It's it's because this happened to me, because that person made me feel like this, because that person did that to me. And then you're like, fuck. And then that's another big, like, point where you just feel lost. Mm. Feel lost and sad and broken and, like, yeah, how is this, how can I go forward? How do I keep going in this direction? Because I know that direction really well. The other way is backwards where I keep using, I keep blocking everything out. I don't ever have to experience any of this shit. It's familiar with me. It's painful and it's destructive and it hurts everyone around me, but I'm used to that. So so easy to just go straight back into that. And I think that's why so many people relapse because... Yeah, it's, it's unbearably painful for a lot of the time. And like I said, they've they've been various times that's happened to me. Even recently I had it. But because I've once you get over the first one, I always find that's the biggest one. If you get over that and you get through it and you kind of come out the other end and you're like, okay, well, it wasn't the end of the world. It didn't kill me. It was just feelings. It was, it was overwhelming and it was horrible and awful to experience. But I'm okay. I'm okay now. Didn't last forever. And it's almost, you almost feel a little bit of relief actually because you're like, and also a bit of like, fucking hell, like, 
if that's that's what I've been running from for all this time, don't get me wrong, there's many more of them to come, which sucks, but mm. you kind of think, well, that's doable. Mm-hmm. That's actually doable. I can I can get through this, but yeah. It's a long winded answer to that question. No, no, <laughs> no, it's, it's good though. Good, nice and in depth though. Moving on from healing as a question. Um, what does love mean to you? And that's in a relationship sense. So not necessarily in uh, loving yourself, which we will come on to later because there's a couple mm. of questions on that. But romantically, um, you mean romantically in a in a relationship with a an intimate partner? What does love mean to you? See, this question I've been asked so many times, and every time over the last four years I've been asked it because there's been distance between each one. My answer's been different because my experience with it has changed dramatically. So what I say now, and I will obviously give an answer, but may change in a year Mm. or two Mm. or three because my experience has changed. But the idea of of love for me is, (sighs) there's two sides. There's the fairy tale side where it's like that just instant, you see them and you love them and that it's like like almost love at first sight and you just think this is the most profound and beautiful person I've ever met in my life and I want to spend every minute of every day that I possibly can with them because they're just they're just everything that I want and everything that I want to be with like that's I feel like that's the fairy tale and I do believe that it exists I didn't for a while but recently my view has changed again so as I said it may change again in time to come I think that's important though to mm. to that happens in life. You, mm. you are going to, from your experiences, pretty constantly change your opinions on stuff. Perspective, isn't it? Yeah. An experience. Um, and then there's the more grown-up love, which is respect. And I think res- being re- respecting the person you're with and being respected by them, being appreciated, and having a partner to share everything with that your is your equal is your 100% equal that is yeah that you yeah that you wouldn't want to be whatever without but you're going to give them everything they're going to give everything to you and it's you you're a team you come as one mm. you know you want to do you don't get me wrong doesn't mean you do everything together <laughs> you have the respect to have your own space and you I always said that like love is some people think love is like this you connect and then you go forward like that um, as one I think you can be as one like that you know with a circle around you you are one but two separates in that one heading forward in the same direction together and helping each other all the way and the biggest thing is that you make the other person better by being there and vice versa you if that person makes you your best self or helps you to achieve your best self and increases your chances of getting to your best self by just being who they are that's love. Yeah, that was that last bit was spot on. I think to yeah. say that that just by them actually just being their real self, mm. and if they can be that, and it still turns out that they drive you to be your best version of yourself, that's perfect. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, what, what what I would one hundred percent agree with. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next one, the third one, I've actually snuck this in here. This Ooh. is actually my question, and I wrote this down a few weeks ago. Um, I was going to ask in the capacity of God and do you believe in God, but I think that's mm. too much of a personal question. Um, I actually share similar sort of um, 
thought process is what Liam was talking about the other day um, in the capacity of I just believe in a higher power and I mm. believe that what some people label as God is just what human beings have labeled as it, but I just mm. believe in a higher power, whether you call it God, grace, universe, whatever it is, that's what we pray to. Mm. Um, but my question more specifically to you was, what are your thoughts on the law of attraction? Mm. And do you practice or have you practiced any of the law of attraction techniques along your journey to self-betterment? I think the law of attraction is probably one of the most important things that's not taught to to us as you know if you were taught that at school how different would everyone's perspective be mm -hmm. it would be so good if 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 it was um do i practice it yes i only more intensely over the last couple of years i i, I again perspective how it's changed so when i first got clean i was strictly atheist and very much against any form of you know, higher power or anything, just anything, especially a diety. And I still kind of, at, I am against diety. I don't believe that. Um, you know, so it's, it's changed dramatically since I came out. I was very much against it. And that was because I was forced into religion, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses as a child, which I, then when they split up, it wasn't a thing anymore. We didn't have a religion anymore. And I was like, what the fuck? So I had no birthdays and no Christmases for fucking 12 years. Brilliant. Cheers for that. <laughs> so yeah I had this like childhood resentment towards any sort of religion but then also the stories and all of that of of God I just find them far too far-fetched it's almost like a fiction book when you read it for me and I, uh, my opinion is is that it's a little bit silly to believing it believing those stories with like heart like as if they're facts as in uh, like a literal sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. instead of uh, what I look at them as is like uh there are ways to live your life. I feel like it's morals. It's like teaching us. It's like a guideline of how mm. to be a good person, mm. you know, to, but also <laughs> very opinionated and very, cause you know, for example, you know, like out there, the uh, Christianity, Christian beliefs on, um, gays. <laughs> so, okay. So you're going to believe the, that story to the T mm. and you are going to be that literal with it. Sorry, lie. I don't believe it. Um, and I don't believe many, many of the statements in it. So, but I do believe there's lots of good and important stuff in there that you can take out. And I think it's like anything, you can take what you want and leave the rest. I think if you can look at any religion like that, brilliant. But I think to look at any religion factually, because there's no facts, there's no evidence to support any of them ever, none. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, I've not known of any. So to believe in them in that way is a little bit, seems a bit silly, a bit naive maybe. But in terms of the law of attraction and the universe and, a higher power and all of that stuff. I think if we were, we learned more about the fact that if you can invest into yourself, becoming the best version of yourself, you will always, for example, attract the best person for you. If you, you will always get what you, you always get a mirrored version of you mm -hmm. where you're at emotionally, mentally, physically at that time, mm -hmm. you will always attract those types of people into your life, whether it be friends, whether it be uh, partners, you know, if you, knew that by investing solely into yourself and becoming the best version of you, that then everything you wanted would not only be within you internally, but then externally you would also receive those things just naturally. Mm. That, and that, that is, I have evidence of that, that fact, you know, yeah. my life has been that for the last four years. You know, when it, when I wasn't doing that, you know, my life, what I focused on was external. So I focused on money, biggest priority for me. I wanted to be rich. That's it. Mm -hmm. 
And as a result, I was a very flawed human being through who'd been very traumatized, very broken through his childhood. But I in doing in going through that created a very strong character, I guess. I was resilient and able to to, you know, just go and go and go and go. And that's why I could do so many bloody drugs and I could perform so well at work. And, you know, I also had these other reasons for wanting to do well, wanting to prove myself, wanting to prove I wasn't worthless. You know, it was all, you know, I didn't know all this. I just thought I liked money and I wanted to be successful. But no, actually, there was a lot of uh, negative reasons as to negative driving forces behind why I wanted to achieve what I wanted to treat, wanted to achieve it. And that's the reason I feel they didn't stick, didn't last because this internally was so broken and all the people that I were attracting to myself were broken. You know, it was, yeah, it just kept bringing these people into my life that, hurt me that I hurt them I, you know I had a car stolen from me by one of my mate's brothers <laughs> yeah. like these are the type of hang up people hanging around me I just had all these awful people I, you know when I lost my business grant and I did a lot wrong but at the same time I helped so many people in that company but they all turned their back on me the minute they had the opportunity to and threw me under the bus and abandoned me you know which I fought with my family again I invested everything into that so yeah, I firmly believe that the law of attraction will is is evident in everybody's life. If if you really took a step back and look at yourself and look at the people you have around you, look at the things that you have, mm. and look at how you feel about yourself, generally, what you're going to see around you is the same. So essentially, what you're what you're you're really saying there is the law of attraction does it works in both ways both for the positive and the negative mm. so whatever you're putting out there is what you're getting back basically 100% 100% yeah. I agree yeah 100% <coughs> i think it's if you keep putting negativity out you're going to get negativity back and i think i don't, and this is the other thing i don't think you ever get away with anything no you might think you have the universe knows everything yeah ah, yeah so you're paying it's all for about it. integrity you're paying for it and i did a post about this recently which is like own your shit. Even if they don't know you fucked up, it's okay. Tell them you fucked up. Mm-hmm. Even if they could never find out you fucked up, go and tell them you fucked up because otherwise you're going to pay for it somewhere else. Mm. Go and own it. It's okay. You know, you can then live freely in yourself knowing it's okay, I made a mistake, but I've owned it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got, I've dealt with the consequences. Be honest and deal with the consequences always. And it's always going to be all right. You're always going to be okay you're going to deal with the pain there and then as opposed to it coming back round in some other fashion mm. and then it destroying something else in your life and you're like ah oh. yeah you know it's why it's why like i would never if i found a phone i'd always hand it in if i found money i'd try Same. and give it back I'd, you know what i mean and it's it's worked for me as well because in my life i've lost phones they've come back to me like and i it's that one thing i as soon as i did something wrong recently actually i did something wrong and then i lost a pair of headphones i didn't get them back first time ever in years that i've lost something you know, I made a, um, I was, I did something dishonest um, and I went and met, I owned that mistake and I was honest with it. But in between that, I lost my, these uh, AirPods. Mm. Uh, they were like, I don't know, 600 pound headphones. Yeah, you lost them, yeah. <laughs> I lost them. They didn't come back. Yeah. They didn't come back. Normally I went down and I was like, mm, I know because the night before something bad happened. I was like, I ain't getting them back. I know it's punishing me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I've always, um, I've always said to not to, not to hijack in on your question too much, but I mean, I got into the law of attraction probably f- 15 years ago now. So a long, long time ago, someone bought me the, the secret, the book, the secret. And yep. uh, 
a bunch of, I mean, I, I reckon one time you're going to have to do a podcast about the law of attraction and just have me as your guest on there. Because <laughs> I've got wild. So my, my, in fact, I would say my life, all of my stories and all of the things I've done from traveling around the world, from filming Luke Combs to working with, on movie sets with like Guy Ritchie and David mm. Beckham, Jude Law, people like that. Um, all of them, every single one I've, I would hands down owe it to whether you call it God, grace, the universe, every mm. single one of them. So mm. much wild stuff has happened in that. In yeah. That it's, I've, I've found. I was about that. to say like people watching this will go, no, that's just a coincidence. I'm like, it's yeah. not when it happens so much. Mm. It's not when it happens all the time, yeah. you know, and it's like, like you said, you, there's so many things that have happened because you've done something good or yeah. you just happen to be kind or give your time to something or someone. Mm. And then out of nowhere, it's just like, that's just turned up because yeah. you just did that and you're like, and I know I know exactly what you mean. The times in my life when I've done something that I know personally inside I don't agree with or <laughs> I don't think it's a good thing. And things have happened within the, the days after it. Yeah, Somebody yeah, yeah. who I haven't heard from in like four months will message me and be like, remember you said you was going to come and do the rest of this video for me for like for nothing. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I've got to go and do it now, but that's a really negative thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want to add on the law of attraction or are you, you done with that? It's a topic I love, man. So I could, mm. I could sit here and listen to somebody talk about the law of attraction. Yeah, I'm just trying to think more about it, but or is it? So I can only say my most recent. I'll tell my most recent experience. I was going to say to conclude it. Is it? Is it something? Could you tell us about something that you maybe do now or have done recently? That- so for the last two years, I mean, obviously, I've been clean for four years. I've been invested in myself for four years, but. For the last two years, I started to realise, you know, I needed to keep investing to myself more extensively. So I started cold water. I started started breathwork. I started meditating more. And then more so for the last nine, ten months now, I've every day I've never missed. I've never missed. I, I've not missed. And also singing, another one. Journaling, another one. Um, so cold water, journaling, meditation, breathwork, every day. never And singing, every day. So I suppose about four or five things. And I've not missed. And then in doing so, you know, I ended a relationship that was toxic, that was hurting me. And I, But I also, I ended that relationship in between doing all this stuff. And I had six months off and I had total to myself. And then I got back with that person and then, I, and, and then it didn't work out and I stepped away from it properly. But all the while, even when I went back into that relationship with her, which previously when I was in a relationship, I didn't always, I wasn't consistent. But when I got back into it this time, I was like, no, whatever, whether that person's here or not, not going to let them be a distraction for me or an excuse for me to not do my work. And in doing that, I feel I healed, I healed myself more than I've ever healed before. I became a much better internally than I've ever felt. I've figured out ways and things about myself that I didn't see, like this inner child stuff and how that sort of manifested into current behaviours. And there's still loads I've got to do, mate. Like even today, the way, you know, and, and yesterday things I've said and I'm like, mm, yeah, I shouldn't have done that or I could have done that better. Um, so I, I'm constantly like weeding these things out and trying to be better and trying to improve. And it's not easy and it takes time and you keep making the same mistakes over and over. But as long as you're doing it and you're working extensive, extensively hard on yourself and you're being consistent and you're showing up for yourself every day, you're going to start to be more reliant on just yourself and in and in doing that, then you attract what people that are also self reliant. Yeah, you know. And then I was trying, as you know, with the podcast, I was trying to stay away from relationships. 
because I felt like I needed a year to do that work. But I hadn't considered actually I'd been doing it for two years and I also had had a lot of time mm. to myself and my relationship was long distance. So I had loads of time to myself. Mm. So I didn't sort of take that into consideration. And then somebody walked into my life and I rejected it initially because I was like, look, no, it's, I've literally just split up with someone. And then over about eight weeks later, that person messaged me again. And I was, so I was like, oh, they seem really lovely. They seem really nice. There were some things of questions I asked about their life, about who they were and about their family. And they were all things that I'd wanted. Like the, I, I was like, this is weird. It, like even things like their, their family being all together and still a unit and still happy together, which I've never been with anybody like that. That came in. These were like things that I was dreaming of yeah, that, I, yeah. that I wanted. I was saying, this is, this is the type of person. The age was 26, 26. Like... <laughs> No children, had no has no children. Like the list is like this long, and not only does this person tick every single box, there's also more ticks underneath that I didn't even think of that they've got. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wow, wow, what are the chances of that? So I met that person, and it completely changed. It was just like, yeah, wow. And ever since then, it's just been unbelievable. It's been the most beautiful experience of my life so far. But it is early days, obviously, and it's always lovely at the start. But there's just things that I've never seen before that I've always wanted, things that I've been dreaming of, talking about, saying that this is what I need, this is what I want, this is, I know if I have this, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work for me, you know? Um, and it's all there. It's all there. And I only believe that that's happened because I put myself first. I decided to become the best version of me. I decided to continually invest in me, decided to be the best version of myself and then... And also, I didn't look for it. If anything, actually, I said, I don't want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pushed it away and was like, no. And then it came back and it was like, okay, right. Mm. Which I've never done before. But you filled yourself up first. Mm. Oh, and well, you- this is it. Because I, I, I'd just broken up with somebody, I was like, right. And like the healing process I did was so aggressive. Like, that was one of the moments I said to you earlier about painful experiences. Mm. That's one of them. That's in there, top five. Those two months, every day, I cried every single day. <laughs> Pain every single morning. And it wasn't just about the end of a relationship. It was what it, what my relationship with women was all about. You know, I was looking at my inner child and I was speaking to him like, and going into depth about how how much pain he's in and how much pain he's been in and, you know, why he's so sad and why he's so upset. And it wasn't really to do with, with the relationship I was in or just ended. It was to do with my mum. You know, and then I was just healed from all of that. And it was like more, I was like almost like being sick, but nothing coming out. Like it was like that. And, but I was crying at the same time and mm. almost like I was just letting all this pain out every day. Mm. And it wasn't until I'd got to a place of where that eased down a little bit on a daily basis. I still have it now. I still do a bit. And that's the thing since meeting her, I still do it every day. I still have moments where I'm in pain, but about different things. Um, but yeah, in doing that and and getting to a place where I felt a little bit more calm, a little bit more rested and a little bit more healed, then I started having conversations with that person and it was just the best thing I've ever done. Mm. So yeah, I love the law of attraction. I'm all here. We could just do a whole fucking yeah, thing on this. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll move on to the next question. What are your top three self-development books and if you could give one bit of advice from just one of those books that you thought would change someone's life for the better, what would it be? Well, 
I've only read three self-help books, so I'm glad you said three and not four. <laughs> so I'll give you those three, but perhaps in order of what's the best. Uh, attached is one of, is, is is about relationships. It is probably one of the best things that I I think people can do, especially if they're struggling within relationships, to know your attachment style, and um, it's a bit profound actually when you read it how you basically whatever one you are, <laughs> whether you so you can be anxious attached and anxious attached, anxious avoidant and secure, and when you read the one that you are, which for me at the time was anxious attached, and it's like literally someone's just wrote everything about you without knowing you and it's like they know exactly how you behave in a relationship and you're like oh shit ah that's a problem (laughs) so does it give you like does it it, it, gives you little workbooks and stuff like that I was going to say yeah Yeah, does it give you it doesn't just be like you're a twat in a relationship yeah yeah you're fucked basically (laughs) they just give up yeah it gives you like things to work yeah it's interesting like that book is interesting because you know it talks to you about what what type of people that you would work well with and what to avoid and what type of person that you are and what you need to work on how you can let go of those certain behaviors within relationships and um you know everybody's got everybody's goal is the secure really is to become secure and i think that's another thing that doing the work that i did got me to a more secure place that doesn't mean I don't still have some level of anxious attachment left in me because it doesn't just go like that mm. um I say like that it has been years of me working on it but it's it's an I've gone four years against 29 years do you know what yeah, I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. um but I do feel like I'm 70 percent of the way there to secure you know my behaviors in the way I trust and the way I you know treat someone in a relationship now so yeah that's that helped me a lot um the Chimp Paradox is another one. Um, that book was insane when I read it. Um, how it separates basically you into two parts almost. You know, you're human and you're chimp. And you're human is back. It's back it's, you could say it's child, adult, human, chimp, or you could be a logic, emotion. What about like self, ego? <clears throat> Exactly the same. So yeah, it's about um, about noticing how much of you is actually your emotions, and how much of you, how much of your behaviour is emotional, an emotional response to certain situations, people, the way they speak to you, <clears throat> the way they they treat you, and then what that triggers a response in you that's not logical, it's emotional. So if you're someone who constantly comes home every day and is a little bit disappointed with themselves about or is fucked up done something wrong, messed something up, lost something, broke something, broke something up or destroyed something in their life is because they've they've got such a big and emotional response to things. Their their chimp is in control more so than their ad than their human. So it's um and it's yeah, it's crazy. You can start to like identify in yourself how much of you is is really the chimp acting like primitive um and you want it to be basically more in control, more in more in the logic state of mind state of mind so that was a really good one and the one i'm reading right now which i'm halfway through and even though i'm only halfway through i'd still say it's the best one (laughs) which is how to do the work that book is fucking incredible (laughs) so so that's your number one what's the what's the number one bit of advice from that book that you think would change someone's life well number one piece of advice it's hard because it, 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 I can say it as if it was to me and the number one a piece of advice I would give is to do the work in that book <laughs> because 
this is the strange thing again about law of attraction, right? So the universe has obviously given me these tools to pick up, right? So the singing, the uh, meditation, breath work, cold water and journaling, right? I have found those things somehow. Those things have turned up in my life. I've grabbed hold of them. I've read that book and everything I do is in that book. As in, so she does, she is a therapist and she has got to the point or got to the point where she was fed up with seeing her patients be with her for six years and still falling back into the same old behavior and not healing and not growing and not going forward. Mm. And, and then she found herself in the same situation as her patients and was like, oh, fuck. Mm. And he, I want to know, so she started researching and doing more and more things and basically worked out this program for herself that she then taught her. Um, patience as well and just changed so many people's lives there's multi-million selling book um and yeah and it just so happens that everything she said i'm doing mm. and i was like what are the fucking chances that i just naturally found these things through my own accord that, that that's what works for me mm. but it's not only what works for me it's not it's, it's almost undeniable that it would work for anyone so yeah there's a there's a recipe for it. Uh, what I feel about those things that I think I have found, I thought initially, right, yeah, these are just the things that work for me. But then it just so happens that actually, no, this is something that will work for anyone that's yeah. willing to I've, do it. You've just reminded me. What is what it? I was going to say that it uh, effectively, if it sounds like the kind of book that if you are whether you're struggling with mental health, if you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with the loss of like someone, mm. whether that be as a relationship or a family member, uh, whether you've lost your job, like where, what any kind of like negative moment in your life, it sounds like the kind yeah. of book that it's saying, if you do this, yeah. this level of work and yeah. these kind of things, it doesn't matter whether it's drug addiction, nope. whether whatever it is, whatever negative thing is going on in your life, yeah. if you do the work, like the, yeah. what we've lay, laid out, you'll heal. Way, you'll heal and you'll feel better. 100%. Hundred fucking percent, and this is the thing. Like, I think that people have the opinion, "Oh, that's what works for you." It's like, no, no, read that book. It works for everyone. If you do it, it works. Whether you're going to enjoy it or not, it's a totally different question. But, and I don't get me wrong, I don't enjoy doing that every day. I really don't. Some days I feel like, yeah, this is good, but for the most part, every day when I wake up, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do cold showers. I don't want to do breath work, especially breath work for some reason. That seems like the most uh, the most effort. Um, and it's like, oh, I just can't be bothered. And I know it's going to be hard. I know I'm going to cry at the end of it. Or I'm going to feel something weird. And so I'm like, oh, so to do it every day is like, mm. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I actually don't want to do it most days. I fucking hate it. But it's it. that thing of it being difficult work, but on the other side of difficult is always reward. Everything, everything that's worth having in life is hard to yeah. get. Nothing comes easy. And the thing is, I think most people focus on the wrong thing as well. Like that book as well, even says in there that people have gone to ayahuasca retreats and they've felt healed and then later gone back straight into the same behaviours. She even mentions it. It's like, mm. it's, it doesn't work. It's not a long-term solution. It's like, yeah, it's short-term, it works, but she's not seen any evidence to say that it's going to fix anything. You still have to do the work. And that's yeah. what her whole book is about, doing the work. Yeah. Um, nothing's going to work as much as doing the work. No, it's not. It's just not. And I think everybody's looking for a quick fix. There isn't one. There is no tablet you can take. There is nothing. Your healing is painful and it's difficult. And it's like anything. The only bit that's enjoyable is the the reward. Mm. The, the achieving of that reward is yeah. not fucking fun. Mm. 
the process of achieving it. Sorry, so it's actually it's actually the opposite of happiness, really, <laughs> because like realistically, happiness isn't the end goal. Happiness mm. is the journey of mm. working on the thing that you're passionate about, you love, etc. So it's actually the opposite in that sense. Then it's hard to do and it's not enjoyable, mm, but the reward no. at the end of it is brilliant. That's it. It's just the after. It's what you get after. It's like doing a cold shower, right? Look, if you do a cold I still, shower... I still haven't got used to it. I've been doing them for... I say that. I've only been doing them properly every morning for about a month and a bit. Do you months. enjoy the process of the shower? No. No. But no. do you do you like how you feel when you come out? Uh, honestly, way better than what I thought it was even going to be. Exactly. Every day. And that's I genuinely feel about four times happier. And yeah. I feel quite happy anyway. I'm quite Do you know the science behind that as well? Because it releases dopamine 2.5 times what you normally would for the whole, for six hours after doing it. Insane. That's Insane. mental. Yeah. And it's like, why, why are you doing cold showers? That's fucking one reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. enough. Yeah, I can definitely vouch, I can definitely vouch for that, that. That is, that's something. And like I say, I've been in self-development for a number of years and, same as you, really. Like I've, I've, I technically, I actually know. You know, I'm not even going to say. I was about to say I technically do journaling. I use a bullet journal, but I use it in a different sense. Like I review my weeks and yeah, yeah, yeah. I do write like about like what I've been doing, etc. Yeah, Whereas yeah. yours is a bit more like emotional. Yeah, 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 for it. sure. Yeah, so I'm not going to say I've done that, but in the whole, in all the years of self development, I run like, run like 25 minutes a day at 70. percent yeah, my zone two running like I'm. Do you know, I'm into yeah, I'm into yeah, the gym. And so stuff that's the like physical that. stuff. Yeah, I'm into all of that. But I would say that other than I feel like for me personally, if I if I can go like two or three days where I get eight hours of sleep at the right time, I get mm. my sunlight in the morning and do, yeah, do all yeah, of that yeah. kind These of things stuff. Are beautiful. When, if I do them, I feel brilliant. Yeah. But nothing has made me feel as brilliant as quick as what cold yeah, cold yeah. showers are. I find with anything as well, it's consistency with it. Yeah. It's being consistent. Like if you're consistent with any of these things, it's going to be good. But like I said, I think people focus on the wrong things. They always think like money's going to make me happy. And I know you're going to ask me that later. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll go on to that. But they think that, or, or okay, let's remove money. They think the career, the career is going to make them happy. The career is going to be the thing that, that changes their life and everything gets better. So it's, it's, Anything external doesn't last, I don't think. My, my belief is nothing, nothing. It will, it will make you feel happy when you have it. Mm -hmm. But if you're using it to try and fill some void that's inside of you in terms of low self-worth or low self-esteem, it will, all it isn't doing in, is it's feeling like it's going to work or it's feeling like it's working because you don't feel sad anymore yeah. and you feel validated from the success and the people telling you how good you are. But then it's like, okay, what if that's not there? <laughs> yeah, it's what? a bit like the lust and love thing as well. Mm. It's, it's similar to that in the sense of like, you might be like super into somebody and it might you might feel like you, you love them when after a while you're like, oh, maybe it was just lust, like maybe yeah, we yeah. just really fancied each other and... Yeah. So it's quite it sounds quite similar to that. Yeah, so that external bit, isn't it? It's like, oh wow, the this, the that, and the other, they're this, they're amazing and beautiful and light bright eyes and oh oh that bit makes me feel great. Yeah. But then actually on once on, you scratch beneath the surface, oh okay, they've got four children by four different dads. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't like me going out. They, yeah, they don't like me going out. Um yeah, like it's, that's what I mean. So it's all those types of things, but the same with anything external that makes you feel good in the first instance, you know, long-term, it's never going to feel that, 
fill that hole. I think it's nice to have. And it's all, you know, onto the money thing. Having money makes life a lot easier for sure. Less stressful, should I say. Doesn't, doesn't fill that self-worth hole for me in any extent. Um, and nothing will. Like as well, people think like the perfect body and going to the gym, like going to the gym and exercising is brilliant, being consistent at that. But if you think by having the perfect body, it's going to make you happy. It's not. It's not going to fix what's wrong, in my in my opinion. It's not going to, it's not going to, it, it will, again, momentarily, great, I've achieved that, I look good externally, but then, okay, if I don't, if, okay, if I step, if I have to step away from the gym for a week and I don't, and I start to put on a bit of weight again, so do, I, do I then suddenly feel worthless again? Mm. So, okay, so it's dependent on that then. You have to look like that. Okay, again, all right, drop it then. My view is if you can't, if you can't be happy without it, then you shouldn't have it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I liked what you said um, in a recent podcast where you said about you kind of not really seeing the point in getting down to that low, low body percentage. Yeah, like when, when yeah. actually the goal should just be to be to to be healthy. And and I guess I always I always say that my ideal goal is to look athletic mm. because if I'm athletic, if I look athletic, I probably am athletic, which means I'm going to be able to play with my kids longer. Like I can mm. go for a. I really I love running. I like. If I get the opportunity to run for 10 miles in yeah. one hit, that's yeah. my favourite thing. Just put my headphones in and go out in the countryside yeah, and yeah, just sick. run 10 miles. I absolutely love oh, that. We're going to have to do that, mate, because I've been wanting to do yeah, running. Yeah. I love running. I've done 10 miles the other day from, from my house right up to Whipsnade Animal Park. I couldn't stop running. I was just loving it through the countryside. Oh, the mate, all right, let's do that. We'll yeah. definitely do yeah, that. Because, yeah, yeah running sure. was another thing. Again, that's anything that I've ever done. If I'm going to the gym or, like, if I'm doing any exercises, because I want to be happy. Yeah. Uh, is in mentally, not externally. I don't want to look good, like appealing to look good. I don't, if, unless I was overweight, obviously then I'd go to the gym because I think feeling overweight would make me feel unhappy. Mm. Uh, I would feel depressed and I'd feel a little bit like, oh, yeah, I just, I wouldn't want to be overweight. I've got a question for you then. Um, do you feel like being, okay, so for example, this is from my own perspective. If If I was to get, to not particularly like absolutely shredded and definitely not probably into single figures, uh, body fat percentage wise. Yeah. But if I was to get to, when I've, for example, when I've got to quite a low, and you can be honest about this, when I've got to quite a low body fat percentage, and I did do a couple of years ago when I went on mm. holiday, which granted probably was really just for the holiday because mm. I wanted to look good on the beach or whatever. But that, I don't know if I've ever felt that, that confident. Do you think that that is some that is a validation thing, or do you feel like? And again, you can be completely honest because I don't it, um, really feel the same. I think I'm, it's real. I think the confidence is real, but it's. But do you think that's a good thing to to be no reliant no. on something like that no. for that no. that added bit of confidence? No. I don't think that's a good thing. So, say for example, I can. I'm quite a confident person anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Say I'm like a. Six, seven, seven point five is my not not that I think I'm a seven point five. I just mean <laughs> that I, my confidence is a seven point five out of ten. Yeah. But like when I got to that that shape, I was like Conor McGregor level <laughs> confidence, like walking around doing the Billy strut. I think that um, confidence or personality traits shouldn't be based upon anything other than yourself. It, like you should be able to. The goal in my mind would be a, would be to be able to be that person all the time whenever you wanted to, without the need for being completely aesthetically pleasing as in your eyes. So, 
has got, I, I don't believe it's a false confidence. I believe it's real, but it's based upon, it's, it's built upon very fragile pillars. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because, right, okay, it's very easy to lose that. It's harder to gain that, that, that physique than it is to lose it. Mm -hmm. So, and therefore the pressure you're putting on yourself to be that person. Mm. So I'm like, okay, I really love this, but I've got to be like this to be that person. To it's be like, that level of confidence. Yeah, it's like, yeah, no, you don't. Makes sense. It's like, no, you don't. No, you don't. You really don't. You can be that person all the time. That's a mindset, isn't it? Mm. That's just a mindset. That that basically blanketed the insecurity in your head that you have about yourself. Yeah. And then, right, okay, so if I remove the blanket, then I'm back to being weak again and yeah. I can only be and, this and, confident. And you, I think that you would feel... Or at least for me, I think that I would, if I didn't, like even now, and I'm just being honest about this, like I even now, I, w I wouldn't like to go on holiday, like, because I do go on holiday quite often with my family and stuff. Mm. Um, I still probably, like when I went to Florida last year, still had to, I went to gym every day and I, I do, I see that, but like, and I don't even think it's even about, I don't know, I honestly don't know. I don't, for me personally, I'm, I, I wouldn't sit here and be like, I needed the validation of it. Mm. I'd never, although it probably is that if I was being honest, because it's not like I, it's not like I, I wanted to get shredded to put it online to get the likes and comments no, as you no, guys no, have no. spoken about before. And it's all, but then equally, I would always be honest about it. I love it when I when I take my shirt off on holiday. My brother-in-law to fuck, fuck, you know, you've worked well hard in the gym yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And I'm well, like, there you yeah, go. Boys, so you've answered your own question, really, isn't yeah, it? because yeah. you know that. That's what makes it worth it. That's what makes it good. It's it's about the the external, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like a thing to be ashamed of admitting because everybody has that. It'd be impossible to not. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Because it comes. That's as why part we get our it. haircut, and why we, you know, exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd all just be fucking slobs. Yeah, and we wouldn't give a shit. We'd never get our haircut, and we not like, no one would work out. It's just like everybody, yeah. everybody wants to be smiled at. You know, it's infectious and it's nice for somebody to smile at you. But I think if you, there's a difference though because. Would you be, would you say, so obviously you got to that cut level, didn't you? Where that's really high, but then there's, there's somewhere in between being a little bit overweight and being shredded. That's a really comfortable space that you yeah. could be in and feel exactly the same. I think yeah, 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 where you sure. are comfortable and you're knowing that people are look, aren't looking at you going, Oh, he's a bit overweight. I think yeah. that's the thing we want to avoid. Yeah, yeah. It's the negative. I think the neutral's fine and the positive's great, even better. But if you're the neutral, you could be totally yourself and be happy. Your shirt's coming off. You're not feeling uncomfortable yeah, about it. Yeah. Um, you're not getting as many compliments. It's not, you're, not, you're not thinking about it in any way. Yeah, I, think, yeah, yeah. I think you're thinking about it more if you've got a really high ex extent of, of yeah. fitness because you're like looking for people to go, oh, yeah. well done. You've yeah, done amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're thinking about that and, oh, right, he's not even complimenting how fucking I'm ripped. What the fuck? So you're <laughs> expecting of it. And then the other thing is on the negative is that you're thinking everybody thinks I'm fucking overweight and everybody thinks I'm hideous. Yeah. So you think about it more. So yeah, I think yeah. the neutral is the better place to be, right? Where you're not thinking about it too much. You're free. You're happy. Yeah. It's like I'm fit. I'm healthy. I'm yeah. well. I don't care what people think because I, I know I look all right. Yeah. I know I'm overweight, so I'm not thinking negatively about myself. It's more to do with how you think of yourself. Yeah. It's like if I think I'm okay, then I don't mind having my shirt off. But if I think I'm overweight, then, yeah, I'm going to have a problem. But then also if I think I'm really ripped, I'm going to be expecting people to, to go yeah. well done yeah. and be like, oh. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Are they looking at my abs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They are looking at me. Of course they are. Look. I've and, if, and if they're not, why aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> and these are the things, like, these are actual thoughts that a lot of people will have. And I know because I've done the same because I have got ripped. I have got down to a very low percentage body fat and I've done all of that. Not to the extent that, you know, uh, Liam had mentioned that he'd done ever, but 
I haven't got that level of dedication to, to wanting to look that good because it's not as that important to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as long, but like I said, if I got overweight, I would definitely change it. I would, I, I, it would make me feel worse, mm. definitely. So I, I can understand that. But yeah, I guess everybody would have a different opinion on that. Um, but yeah, that's my view. Yeah, sweet. All right. Well, I'll move on to the next question, um, which I think is actually one of my favourite questions. This one was actually from um, Instagram. If your best friend contacted you today and told you that he or she had just broken up with their partner of five plus years, what would your first piece of advice be? I think the first thing I'd say is you're going to be okay and I've got you. I'm here for you. My first piece of advice would be don't contact them for a time. Let them go. Let them do whatever they need to do. And you do what you need to do to make yourself feel better. Don't feel responsible for their well-being and don't make them responsible for your well-being. You've let go of something that didn't work. And if you're going to find your way back to each other, which I'm sure part of you may still want, it will happen. They'll come back. But don't contact them. Let them have their space. Let them have their freedom. and Just focus on healing yourself. That would always be my advice, I think. Yeah, let them do them. Actually, I gave that advice today <laughs> to one of my best mates. Yeah. Yeah, because they messaged and um, he'd recently split up with them and they messaged and really long message. And I said, and, and unfortunately the messages are quite damaging emotionally for him to read right now because there's a lot of hurt still. And I just said, don't, don't, don't message anymore. I was like, you're just prolonging because he I think he knows in his mind it's done so any contact any communication is just prolonging the pain that she's going to have to go through mm. just let her go through it you know I know you want to help I know you want to you feel responsible for their well-being and you can tell they're hurt by what they're saying so you want to try and make them feel better but in doing that you can confuse them into thinking maybe there's a door back in if there's not you know so the Mike's my advice would always be different based on the scenario obviously but as, as a whole it would be separate from them detach from them and work out from your you know yourself what the best thing to do for you is to make you feel better and let them do that for themselves and i guess it also to touch on that would me would be uh kind of wasn't the greatest question actually thinking about it because like you say it could have been say for example it was a your friend was the guy it could have been his fault that they broke up. He might have cheated on her or she yeah, might have cheated yeah. on her. And, so, then, and then it becomes, um, what, what, why did you do that? And what can you do yeah, to Yeah, the, the advice from? would be different based on each one. But I still think there is some one thing that would always be consistent, which is what I said, is that I would be like, look, detach from it, mate. Like, let it go. It, 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 again, my answer would be the same. If they cheated on like, look, you've got to let them go and let them go do their healing. You need to work on yourself because you've done, you fucked up. Mm. So you need to figure out why you fucked up. That's your shit you need to figure out. You can't put any of that on her. You got to let her do her, and you do you, and that would be it. You know, it's always going to be the same. You heal yourself, let them heal themselves, and if it's meant to be, you'll find your way back. Okay, next question: What is, in your opinion, the fastest way to get back to self? <clears throat> and this is uh, more directly, obviously, because you've used the terminology on the on this very yeah, podcast. Back as well, to get back to self, or oh, to remove everything external the best way it's hard because we live in a society where everything is done through communication and phones and social media and your job and everything else but if you can detach from everything external 
I would even say, like, there's, there's a retreat that I'd love to do, which is um, a darkness retreat where you sit in silence for days and with a mask on that you can't see nothing. I'd say go do that. <laughs> you want to get back to self, go do that. Um, like, but you can obviously do that to a lesser extent, you know, and you can do that. And I did actually did a post on this today where it's like, if you're constantly distracting yourself um, or you're constantly invested in, you know, other people or social media, relationship, whatever it is, you've got to put it all down. I call this the process of putting it down. Put it down. Put everything down. Anything that, that, that is distracting you from you, put it down. And then you don't have to do it all the time because that's obviously very difficult because you have a job, <laughs> so you can't put that down. Um, you know, and you've got friends, you can't abandon them. But if you can every day spend an hour or two hours, maybe if you did like eight till ten, you know, so you can carve those hours up to yourself and just turn your phone off, turn the telly off. Yeah, and maybe you're in a pen, journaling. Best, one of the best things you do, meditating and breath work. If you did that and did that for two hours every day and like just didn't speak to anybody, didn't tell anybody about any of that stuff either, just for you, it's just yours. Mm. It's yours to do. Find out what comes up for you, what thoughts you get, what feelings you get. Mm. Like that, that is getting to self. That for me is getting to self and that was the best way I found to do it of, of late. Obviously, I, maybe in a year's time, I might have found something else. But, yeah, getting... And I think everybody should do this anyway, you know, get at least once a week, you know, if just practising being with self, being totally... I did another video on this as well, where it's like, don't help anyone. Don't help anyone anymore. Spend some time not helping people and just fucking help you because mm. you need it as much as they do. You know what I mean? So, yeah, putting down any of those distractions that, that you have. I think the phone is the biggest one. Mm. I would love if everybody spent more time off their phone. Yeah. You know, like if you dedicated an hour with no phone every day. like Some um, some families out there, I don't know if you've ever seen it before, they have like a lockbox in the middle of the table and when really? they have like family dinners, you yeah, have to yeah. put your phone in there and then they Brilliant. lock it. So you can't get your phone out of the box until everyone's like finished Brilliant. their dinner. And stuff. I think longer. I think from that point onwards for the rest of the night. Yeah. I, I mean? I've tried to be better with, um, so I put my phone on airplane mode. I put my phone on airplane mode about 8.45, 9, or yeah, at least brilliant. I try to. And then I kind of go through my evening process of like getting a shower. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all you. That's, and stuff. that's yeah. your time. That's yeah. for you, isn't yeah. it? Like, I think that's the best thing. That yeah, you because can do. before... When I used to freelance through this this film company before, the guy would literally text me at like half nine, ten o'clock, like, gonna need you to do a late one tonight. Gonna need you to get on the edits until like two two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I cared zero about like the fact that I had my little routines. And I'm quite like funny about stuff like that. Like mm. I love my routines. I get up try and get up at the same time every morning and try and do my, my, I've got like a little tick habit tracker of what I do every yeah, morning yeah, yeah. at my, my right time. But I'm the same in that I try to, I, I try and take that airplane mode off my phone as late as in the morning as I can. It's a bit more difficult, especially with going to the gym and wanting to go on Spotify unless I've downloaded <laughs> stuff. But yeah, yeah. that would be the, the next step is to do that. I think another thing with self as well is um, <clears throat> to not compromise. It's basically getting Self is obviously to, is investing time into self, but to do that, you then have to put everybody else second. And that's one thing that a lot, a lot of people are willing to do. 
But it's like, okay, here's five things I'm going to do for myself that are connecting me to self. And I'm going to do them every day and nobody and nothing and, and, and is going to get in my way. Nothing is going to come first over those things. So if that means I have to get up at five to do them because I have other responsibilities after six or seven, then I will get up early and I'll do that. Yeah. Like that it's, is, it's like boundaries. <clears throat> it's back to yourself. Mm. So these are my boundaries to me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I'm going to commit to myself. This is, this is me here. This is the pen around me. Yeah. And only me and myself exist in this pen and yeah. can come in it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, you've got to own that. And you've got to be willing to tell people no. You've got to be willing to like go out. You've got to be willing to just commit to yourself. Like I know like this morning, actually, I haven't done the, I haven't done my breath work yet, but I know I'll do it before I go to sleep. Um, but it's just rare, rare that I do that. But I had, I was like, do you know what? I'm going to have a lion today. But I always know I'm going to do it. I always, so it's like, I can't, I thought about it earlier. I was like, oh, could I give up? Could I just not do it for one day? And I'm like, absolutely not. Mm. It's like that dedication. doesn't matter when I'm doing it, I'm doing it. I don't care. I'm not going to miss that. Do you, do you think if you didn't do it for one day, how would you feel about that? Disappointed. Would you? Yeah, I think so. And that so. would eat away at you? Because you've done it so consistently. It wouldn't necessarily eat away at me because I have so much pride in what I'm doing and I'm proud of how far I've come. And I, I think it... If I gave up on it entirely, yeah, I think then I'd be, I think it would, I think eventually it would take, it would have an effect. I think it would have a negative impact. If I dropped everything I'm doing right now for myself, 100%, I would fall back into different behaviours, old behaviours, I think. Really? 100%, yeah. Mm. It's like what I'm doing right now is taking me forward. It's taking me, it's stepping me into. A, so you don't, you don't think there's a, there's any part of the journey or do you think that at some point there's part of the journey where you can stop doing the things that helped you? I don't heal? think so. You think it's just going to be a continuous I think it should be, yeah, I think so. Because. <clears throat> I mean, why would you stop doing stuff that makes you feel exactly. great anyway? But I think it's, um, the way I can describe it is, so my brain has a path that it's walked and it knows really, really well and it's done, and it, they will call that path behaviours. Okay. And. You know, so you have, and, and also you could call it negative core beliefs. So about yourself, about the world, about people, love, friendships. These are all built when you're young. Mm -hmm. um, when you build them through the relationships with your parents, which mine was awful. So mine, so, but I know this path and I've walked that path and I walked it for 20 odd years. So <clears throat> the work that I'm doing is uh, new learnings. So new beliefs and your brain you know, say, let's say a channel is like this thick for core beliefs and new beliefs is like this. And as you get older, the cores get stronger and the new beliefs get thinner. Mm. But what I'm doing, the work I'm doing is expanding that new belief. And what I'm doing, that path, I'm opening a new way. Mm. I'm like, right, okay, here's a new one. And it's not walked before. So in order for it to be cut away, in order for me to be able to walk that path, the work that I have to do for my brain, which is all the work that I've mentioned, to cut all of the leaves away, to cut the new grass so that I can walk it. Mm. But as soon as I stop, my belief is that I'll just go back to the path that's already walked because I can't keep walking through this new journey that I'm on. Yeah. I've, I've, I've stopped learning. I've stopped strengthening my new beliefs and my new learning beliefs and my ability to learn new things because I'm not doing that work. So what eventually will happen is I'll just go back to the yeah. path I know. The beliefs that are the, and that's not to say about addiction, about like get, using again. I don't think I'll ever do that. Even if I stop doing this work, I'd never, I'd never go back to using. But my old behaviours might come back right, that I've, yeah. I've learnt to undo. You know, my old thoughts and perceptions of the world and um, the way I communicate to people, and you know, yeah, just the stuff that I, I don't want anymore. Mm. So I think 
you have to maintain doing the work and accept that it's a lifelong journey of self-discovery and self-growth and and healing. You're always going to be healing because there's always shit that happens. You can never go through life unscathed. So even if you're, you've healed all the old stuff, in between the time it took you to heal all of that, there's been loads of new shit that you also need to heal from, you know, and it will just, it's everlasting. There's always stuff you've got to learn. There's always, your perception is always changing and life is forever changing within yourself. So you've got to be doing some level of consistent work to keep up with it, to keep up with the fast pace of life. And yeah, that's just my belief on it. Mm. That's cool. And that actually leads perfectly into the next question because it kind of, I guess goes against depending on your view on it um doing the actual hard work but what are your views on using plant medicines or drinkable medicines <coughs> as addiction recovery tools and that can be any form of addiction recovery or i guess in any sense of even getting over trauma and stuff because i know people use a lot of um plant medicines or drinkable medicines for that but what are your views on using them do I think plant medicines work or do they recover people from addiction? Because I haven't done it, I can't answer from an experience perspective, but I can only answer from a perspective of watching and seeing others and knowing others and reading about experiences that people have had. I think like from what I've seen, it's like 50-50 as well. Some people say brilliant, best thing ever, ever and changed my life. Um, and then another handful of people, half those people that I've spoken to have said it was one of the worst things they ever did. And it didn't, it's kind of screwed their life up. Um, <clears throat> so there's that. I don't think there's any shortcuts though. I, I don't believe that. So my belief, again, this is only opinion based. It's not based on experience. It's just based on my belief is that there is no shortcut. I think that what they can show what you can perhaps see from doing plant medicine is, is what it is you need to do or where you need to look perhaps. But I don't think it heals what, what you need to heal. I think it can show you what you need to heal and enlighten you, give you perspective, different perspectives and show you parts of yourself that perhaps you've not seen before, which is beautiful in itself and, and very, very helpful on anyone's healing journey. Um, but I, I think it can delude people into thinking they're healed when they're not. And that's a dangerous thing from what I've seen. Um, I think it can, yeah. Because people can basically get clean or use it to get clean, think that they're healed and they can just live a normal life and not do the work and then they go and relapse. So, but then again, so you could argue though that there's people that have gone and done it and never relapsed. Mm. So, um I think it's, but I guess you could say that about doing the work, but I don't think I've known or heard about anybody who's doing the work that I've done and, and not stopped. The only people that I've heard about relapsing, they're people that stop doing work, stop doing a version of work. It doesn't necessarily mean my one, but they had a program that they were following. They were doing this work and when they were doing it, staying healed and healing more and staying clean, but then they put it down. And then eventually over time, because they thought they were healed, they weren't. They still had a lot more work to do. And because healing is forever, uh, a never-ending never ending journey, 
So, but they put it down and it might be a year, might be two, might be three years later, but eventually they relapse and they fuck their whole life up um, because they put down the work. So I just think the point is you can't ever put down the work. doesn't matter if you fucking do ayahuasca or whatever med- plant medicine you want, you're the fucking frog or the toad, whatever it is. Don't, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to fix anything because the universe doesn't allow shortcuts, mm. does not. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's a little bit, delusional to think that you can definitely take that and everything's going to be fine with your life and all your problems are gone emotionally mentally i think because otherwise everyone would do it wouldn't they Mm. it's like everyone everyone would just be like well this is a magic cure for life why everybody's doing should be doing this everyone like it would be and i think just touching on that very quickly that um you reminded me of something when when you were speaking about ayahuasca before and it's the same. You said that before, basically. Like, if that was the kind of like the magic juice for it, the secret juice for life, and making everything perfect in your life and being able mm. to recover from anything, then everyone would be doing it. But I think more importantly than that, if it was, you know how big corporations work. You know, Mate, I don't know, that, would, that be, would be monetized. There would be wards. There would yeah. be wards and clinics of people where you could yeah. go and do it. Yeah, Virgin, Virgin Richard Oh, Virgin Brand, would own Richard it, really. Do you know what I mean? Virgin <laughs> would fucking copyright ayahuasca. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so don't get me wrong, I'm not t- totally shitting and on it. And it could because be one day. It's worth knowing that it could. It could be, be absolutely, it could be. And I, and I think it certainly has healing properties. And I certainly think it, it has a way of connecting you to a part of the universe or another energy in the universe. I fully believe this. Because when you die, you release DMT, as I said in the podcast, that has DMT long releasing over six hours. So it enables you to wherever you go and you die in your mind, the energy in your mind is your, it releases it so that you can go and connect to this. Right? I think it's a gateway. I think there's some level of gateway through DMT because that's the only way we release it when we die, isn't it? That's it. There's no other way. Yeah. So I think that DMT is a gateway to get into this other place. I you fully know, believe this. You know, when I've I've heard of it before, I don't know exactly what it is, and you might be able to help with it. I'm sure it's something to do with breath work or something too. Oh, put car on charge. I do need to do that. <laughs> what, your Porsche? Yeah, it's electric. What? Oh. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. So you're putting car on charge. Yeah, it's electric. It's insane. So you'd probably be a good person to ask about this because um, I'm sure it's something to do with breath work or something to do with breathing. But isn't there a way that you can get similar effects to DMT mm. through breath. Is yeah. it through breath work? I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure yeah, I saw yeah. it on Joe Rogan or somewhere yeah. like that. There's a way, but is that... You can do a DMT breath work online. But if you yeah, do that, it, are you actually releasing DMT into your body or is it just a, a similar effect? I don't know. I, I think maybe. Like I think thing? maybe because... So with certain breath works, it's like almost to the point where you're passing out, you know, and like you're running out of oxygen or you've got so much oxygen and it's just like, yeah, it's a bit crazy. Like, but... The things, you know, how it is, how the ayahuasca like purging experience has been explained to me is very similar to what I go through on a daily basis through breath work, you know, and it is about what you have in your mind as well, but having a goal, but having a uh, something that you want to tap into, you know, so if I want to see where I'm suffering, I'll focus on something that's hurting me right now or what I'm, what I'm worried about or... And it might even be that it takes me somewhere totally different, but I have that goal in mind is to, to discover something about myself or to release pain or to release a trauma or something. And then when I'm doing it, it just like, just pours out of me. 
Um, whilst on the topic of that, and I'm sure you could probably do a whole, I think one day you should do a whole, because I'm really interested to listen to it. I think one time you should do a whole podcast episode just on breath work. Mm. Um, but is, is it dangerous? Is breath there, work? Yeah, is there any, any elements to it that are dangerous? Because you've sent me one before and I've done one. Do you remember I texted you? I was like, I, can't, I had to pause it, I had to stop it. No. Did it made me go well, tingly I've, and I felt like I was going to have a I'd have to do attack. a bit more research on it, I guess, to find out if it was, but I've not read or seen or heard anything to say that there's any danger in doing it. Um, I'd always say you'll be lying down when you're doing it, though. Because if you're doing it sitting up, you could fall over. Or yeah. did you? Was you lying down? When yeah, you did yeah, it? I was laying down, laying, laying down on. In fact, I was the highest level of comfort that you can be. I was in my girlfriend's pregnancy pillow. Oh, you know those it. big U-shaped things on, yeah, the, yeah. on the bed. Like that was. I've never felt anything as comfortable. Yeah, I think um, it can be a bit overwhelming. That's the problem with it. That's. The, I think that's what again people are like. Oh my god, this is weird. It is very weird, but you get used to it and then you almost actually enjoy it. But then again, obviously, when you're doing it every day, it becomes like a work, it's like a chore. It's like, oh, okay, I've got more work to do. But it's the after bit, like I say, it's always the after. Like at the end, I'm purging out all of this, these tears sometimes or this pain or whatever. And through this really insane feeling through my whole body as well of like being lifted off the ground almost. Um, so, yeah, that's worth it in itself. Like, <laughs> Yeah, breathwork's the one. Yeah, I need to definitely need to do either do more research or just sit with you oh. and have you talk me through like because mm. it is something I really want to try and I'm I'm annoyed that I quit it that mm. that one time but it just it just basically I remember it was nothing to do with feeling like out of breath or anything. I just felt like I was going to faint and my arms went all tingly and I was like, how yeah, is there yeah, any yeah, hands, how is there any benefits to this? Like when when did the benefits start? Because yeah, it's weird. Like, it is and I felt a, a bit, experience. and I, I don't suffer with like anxiety or any panic or anything like that. But I felt panicked when, <laughs> when that was happening. I felt what it felt like to have anxiety on a do high you, level. Nah, do you know what it is? It's it's like um, it's like a natural high. Really, is that's probably why I love it so much. <laughs> well, I say love it. Obviously, it's hard, and I don't want to do it most days because of the after part where you're kind of purging all of this emotion, but there is a certain element to the feeling of it that is very nice. Like that tingling of the hands and the fingers and mm. yeah, your fingers like sometimes though I've done a different breath work, not the one I normally do, but it made my hands curl up like that yeah. and I couldn't open them. See, so where's the benefit in that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that, that was a DMT one. That was a really mad one, but the, the experience mentally was crazy. But and, it's okay, the oxygen. Here's another question. When, when that happens, how, how quick do you get back to, Oh, seconds. <laughs> seconds. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So you can just you can just like open your eyes and be back in the room and yeah. you know go for a cup of coffee and for a walk. Yeah, second. Yeah, literally within about thirty. And minutes. it doesn't. There's no thirty seconds like, to a minute. There's no after nope. psychological effects. Nope. Right? No, no, other than the release of dopamine for the next six hours. All oh, right. So it does. It's like that too. Mm. Oh wow. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing as cold water. Actually, no. Am I thinking about cold water? I might have that wrong. Don't quote me on that. Right. I'll have to research that one. I thought, I'm sure it does release DMT though. Uh, not DMT, it does release dopamine as well. Yeah. I'm sure of it. I'll have to Google it. Um, cool. Next question. Okay, brilliant. Next question. Before you went on your journey of self-discovery, why do you think you hated yourself? Oh, yeah, that is a good question. Um, because I think, because I was made to feel like there was something wrong with me from a very young age. And then I started to play the role. Um, 
So what I mean by that is when you're a kid, you're a kid. There's nothing fucking wrong with you. You're a kid. Unless, you know, there's something, you're like a psychopath, which is unhelpful. We can't help that. It's not your fault still. But as a kid, you're just a kid. But when you have one parent who essentially abandons you because she became become an alcoholic, my mum. So she, the, what that says to a child is that you don't love me because you don't even want to look after me. You don't even care about me. You, you, and also you're trying to kill yourself. So you don't love me. You don't want to look, don't want to be my mum. So something wrong with me then. Why, why? And then another, when the other parent is violent and abusive towards you, but also very loving to your older brother, also confirms there's something wrong with you. It's just you, because he's fine to him. He loves him, he goes to all of his football, doesn't want to have anything to do with you or your... Like, I saw this perfect relationship that I would have loved, but then I didn't have that. So again, okay, there's something wrong with you. So that's kind of the first part, foundations of thinking that, that um, there's something wrong with me, basically, or what I, why I hated myself, the answer to the question... But then as you get older, those that feeling of self-worth, low self-worth, self-hatred develops into behaviours that actually enforce it more. So I was dishonest. I cheated. I was disloyal to friends and I was always trying to... I had a really bad obsession with women and jealousy around other people's relationships. I was always trying to destroy what looked re real, like real love. I would be like, oh, yeah, it's not real. But I'd try and get with their, someone's girlfriend, for example, or if someone was married or I saw a wedding ring, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's the target then. I was destined to try and prove the world was a bad place. So then I've got all of that to reinforce you're just a fucking horrible person. Mm. You're just a horrible, horrible person. So it's just combined for years and years. But really the only way, the only reason I, it's a catch-22 though. So the only reason I acted and be, I behaved that way was because of what happened to me because I thought I was worthless and that was the world that I wanted, I lived in because I grew up in this betrayal and deceit and, and abuse and neglect and vileness. I just saw what I knew. So that was kind of what came out. So it wasn't, but that wasn't what was me. That was what was created. You know, that wasn't who I was. If you go back to pre-trauma, it's just the sweetest, loveliest, kindest little boy, like my son, just this lovely boy. I just loved nature. I loved animals. I was very affectionate, tactile, caring of others, helpful. I was probably a little bit uh, destructive as a boy because I like taking things apart and stuff like that, as every most boys every are. Boy is, yeah. But that's who I was and that's who I tried to be today. Mm. That's who I tried to get back to because mm. the child is, is is the best version of you, right? It's the, mm. the innocent child before any shit, if you can try and get back to that. That's why I sing as well. So was that was there a point that like when you when you got onto the path of self discovery or self betterment and learning to love yourself was there like a, a key point that you were like ah oh, I don't even I don't have to hate myself mm. do you remember that do you remember what, mm. when that was that when you was that when you quit when you came off um, no it was a lot later oh, really? it took a long time yeah and so, I, suppose, I suppose that that is. Yeah, that's probably a better question, actually, a better way of framing that question. Like, what was the moment that you thought to yourself, all of that shit, none of that was my fault, mm. and I don't have to hate myself, I can actually love myself? <clears throat> it took about two years, and I remember the day, and I remember exactly where I was. I was in Scotland, I was going for a walk in the morning by myself through waterfalls and nature, nice. 
And every day I prayed to love myself. Every day for two years. No, not two years because I didn't start praying until a year. So a year every day I prayed to love myself, to love, just to love who you are. And, yeah, I was walking and then I said that with my prayer to myself. I said, I, I, uh, please, uh, energy, let me love myself. And then a voice just said back for the first time ever, you do love you, mate. Yeah. I was like, and I just... Sorry, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly that. Whoa. That, it just hit me and I stopped and I cried my eyes out. Mm. I was like, so ha in happy tears, obviously, overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, wow, I finally got to the to a place of loving who I am. And it it was through understanding a it took me so much understanding to realise that all the things that happened to me actually had had uh, manifested into all these behaviours that actually created like this monster of a person that I was, mm. and that I separate. I was able to separate the trauma of what happened to me, and then I was able to choose to become something different. It's the great saying from Carl Jung: "I am what I am, not what happened to me. I am what I chose to become, and that's it. Mm. That's the process." Yeah. I am going to choose to be something different from what I was made to be by my environment. I am going to be something else. And that, you can't just say that. You can't just say, I'm going to do that. It doesn't happen. It means, right, I'm going to go to work. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to understand everything that happened to me. I'm going to see every behavior that I have and how it, how it links to what situation and what relationship that I had back then so that I know it isn't me when I know it isn't me anymore and the only way you can know it isn't you by finding out how it, how it came to be, came to be in the first place. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, you have to work backwards. I'll give you an example of, you know, feeling anxiety around being left alone or being with someone and then being left. And then suddenly I felt really fucking terrified and I had to work back and figure out when as a child did that, did that occur? And my mum trying to kill herself, going into an ambulance, disappearing, not knowing if she was ever going to come back that was experience, an experience that I was linking that behaviour to. And it's like, okay, there's a thousand of them. It's not like you have no idea how much of you is, is what happened to you, you know, until you look. Yeah. And then when you start to look, you start to really understand. Yeah, it's really sad. You know, it's really sad what you realise isn't you. What you realise, you know, another example was I thought I was really successful because I wanted to earn money. You know, and I was driven because I was driven by money, but it was a lot of it was because I wanted my dad to say, well done. Mm. I wanted to impress him. I wanted to finally have his seal of approval because I never always had to see my brother have it, but not me. Yeah. And so a lot of driving force behind that was really, I just wanted to say, well done. Mm. You know, and it was like, well, when I realised that, it was... Do you, think, do you think that that was a... Now, looking back here, do you think that was a right reason or a wrong reason or do you think it doesn't matter? Because at the end of the day, your goal was to be successful and you found... I think, I don't think, I think at the time it's all like, the, it's the all I had. You know, I didn't have any other tools. So that was the only tool that I had to drive me. And it was a subconscious tool though, you know, I was, so I wasn't aware that it was, it was the reason why I was doing it, but it made so much sense when that penny dropped and it was said to me, you know, did you want this? Do you want that? Did your dad ever give you this? And the funny thing was I never got it. <laughs> but I got to a place where I realised actually I don't need it and I think the whole point is is it a good or a bad thing I could put it in the bad category because I think anybody's thing anything that's done out of a reason like that it, it won't stick yeah. because let's say I had got it say I had got the world done and the pat on the back it would have never meant as much to me as what I'd put on that yeah. the pressure and the amount it, would have, it wouldn't have healed me mm. 
wouldn't have made me feel any better about me. It would have just meant he had said something nice about me. That's it. Yeah. And that would have felt good for a moment, for a time. But I know my dad as well, he would have fucked it all up a week or so later anyway, because that's who he is. You know, that's, you know, he can never, he's never be consistent with him. So it wouldn't have mattered. You know, it was all a, it's a pointless endeavor because it was never going to get me the, 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 the goal that I thought it was going to achieve ever, you know? So you lose it as a result. Whenever you put so much, so much pressure on weight on something external to, to make you feel better as a person, the danger of losing it as well is the other thing. You always think you're going to lose it anyway. So then you end up losing it. Same law of attraction, law of right? Attraction, yeah. Yeah. So if you know that by losing that thing, your world falls apart, the pressure's way too much and it's going to go. Mm. So that's why the pressure should only be on something internal, you know? So, yeah. yeah, and I guess that kind of leads into another question on here, actually. Um, and I, I guess this question is actually more to do with in the past, but how did you separate the parts of you that were your trauma and the parts of you that were really you? Mm. Therapy mainly is the biggest one. And it's it's horrible. I'd say, the, you know, like I said, there's moments that have been insanely painful and the most painful. Live, reliving my childhood is one of the most beneficial things I've ever done, but probably the most painful thing. I'd say out of all of them, maybe number one. I don't think I've ever cried for a week like that, like for hours daily that's the most pain yeah okay actually now thinking about it you're to answer that per first question again doing the therapy over my childhood reliving my childhood experiences over and over and over again to understand what they did to me and how they have manifested in today's in today's life realizing that actually i didn't i didn't need to do any of that stuff you know i didn't need to be that person i could have just been my lovely boy all along that was one of the most painful things I've ever done. And that was how I separated what was me and what was, what was trauma, what parts of me, you know, and the best thing about doing is that is that you can, you don't remove all responsibility and you don't remove any guilt or shame. You have to experience those things because you learn the lesson from them. But in, in doing it, in, in understanding that it almost wasn't your fault that you, had that mindset that you had that behavior and that you didn't know that you needed to fix yourself because <laughs> part of the part of getting through those experiences convincing yourself that you're okay because if you don't you're in too much pain every day and you'd hate yourself even more so you pretend you're as a child you develop this ability to completely block out the feel, feelings of pain and 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 also that any of this stuff hurts so that's the only way you can survive it but then what happens as an adult you don't you need to let go of that behavior because then once you do that then you can start realizing okay it did affect me and i need to acknowledge that you know but we i wasn't taught that no one told me this i never knew that yeah, and if no. i did know that and i ignored it and i carried on then that's when i can say well you're a dick then you know that you you are responsible it is all your fault you decided to be a monster when you knew that you had to change and you knew you had to heal but you just fucked it off anyway you know, and I, but I didn't know any of that stuff. It took me years and into my mid twenties before I realised any of that shit. You know, late late twenties even. So when you understand that, you can then sort of take some of the responsibility away and say, oh, actually, I'm not. I'm not the monster that I thought I was. I'm just hurt. I'm just broken. I'm just sad. I'm just. I just hate who I am, because I was made to feel that way by someone else's pain, not mine. Mm. Fuck. Okay, let's go to work. Let's go change this. 
And do you, do you feel like now as you move into adult years that you can look back at those? Would you say that you've, okay, this is a brilliant question from old Stewie Louie over here. <laughs> would you say that you've unearthed all of it? No. No so way. So you think that there's a lot of work to go back on and, and dig through? I guess the I guess the general constructs of both that you've got like your and again I haven't known you long enough to um, assume anything whatsoever so you can mm. correct me if I'm wrong but you've got your mother and father in two kind of boxes mm. <laughs> of what you describe of you've got your mother and father in two boxes of what you kind of the way you see them and then a lot of the traumas throughout your life is attached to those two boxes mm. um have you been able to at any point or or would it not be what okay let me just rephrase this so you've got two boxes and you've got um your relationship with your mom and the relationship with your dad um could you not just generalize to an extent and be like Pretty much a hundred. Would it, would it be fair to say that hundred percent of the traumas from your past are within them two boxes, or is there other aspects maybe externally as well, or would you say everything would derive from those two boxes? And then, if so, mm. my question to that would be: What is as you become an adult and as you grow into your adult years, what is the attachment to that to those two boxes, and mm. can you detach from those? Sorry, yeah. that's about four hundred no, no, no. questions. No, no, I understand the question. I understand. So. The majority of the time, if you have these, I'm not to say all the time, but most of the time, if you have some really, some really, what's the word I'm looking for? Some behaviours that are very um, out of character or not of the norm, you know. So, like, for example, like I used to get in fights with girls weird behavior like not normal for a little boy you know it's because i was seeing abuse to women all the time i thought it was normal um obviously when i got a little bit older i realized after about 13 never hit a woman ever um but it wasn't my parents that taught me that it was it was um you know friendships and life yeah but i think the majority of the time you can link these abnormal abnormal behaviors that's the word i was looking for to the mother or the father, normally, um, or a trauma, one specific one maybe. But if you've got multiple and lots of different behaviours like I had, it will always, most of the time, be about the mum or the dad. I think most, yeah, everybody varies. So you can put it into those boxes and go look at those relationships and I can... There'd be more stuff now that I, I understand about it later down the line that I've missed, you know, that I haven't yet seen. I've, I've unearthed lots and lots and lots and lots of it. Um, I think for me, it was, everybody's different as well because the relationship with the parents can may change. So say, for example, the relationship had, diff, uh, had become actually a really positive one. You know, say, for example, you had a mother that abandoned you, fucked you up immediately. If your mother, if your mother or your father abandoned you, life-changing completely life-changing. Even if you had another parent figure that was lovely that came in the door, it wouldn't matter. That would immediately make that person feel worthless from a young age for the rest of their life unless they figured it out, unless they did the work. But let's say that parent comes back 
and they build a new relationship and that parent has a way of explaining and letting them understand what happened and why and and they actually end up being best friends and having a beautiful loving relationship and forgiving and forgive the parent that totally changes everything do you know what i mean that changes the situation but for for me my relationship isn't like that i don't have that there's no not been a reconciliation there's not been um there's no relationship there. There's no friendship there. There's no admiration. There's there's obligate obligate obligatory love that you have for your blood parent, but that's it for me. So I will and again, then there's there's even there's more trauma in that in present day. You know, I'm still I have I had to I've had to accept that I will never ever get from them what I feel I deserve from a parent. Either of them. Not even one. You know, and don't th- I think that has a good, it has a big effect on someone, you know, it's, it have, yeah. yeah, it does. And so, yeah, I can link a lot and the majority to them. It's not to say that a lot of people would normally be able to, if you do the work, you'll find out, you'll have to, you have to dig, you have to find where it is. It might be in places you never expected. Like, for example, I always thought it was my dad. I thought my dad was the biggest issue because he was so violent and so horrible and so nasty. But it turns out that actually the majority of my shit comes from the stuff my mum did. I didn't know that. I always placed my hatred towards my dad. I didn't actually feel anything towards my mum, really. I kind of still love my mum. But then when I did all the work, when I got clean, I was like, wow. I didn't speak to her for a year Mm. because I was in so much pain over what I was experiencing about what I'd went through. Mm. And then when I, I, yeah, it took me a long time to try and build relationships and I tried with both of them and then, just they're just not the people that I need them to be, sadly. Mm. And that's, they're just perfectly who they are and they can't change and that's okay. Mm. Um, I remember but, you saying, um, my, well, I can't remember if it was on the podcast or, or whether it was just to me in passing conversation sometime. Um, <laughs> I fucking forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that I said something about, about my parents? Yeah, I remember you saying to me before that, um, for the longest time, like you hated your dad and, and there was no relationship there and stuff. Yeah. But then there was a point when you almost understood. How, I remember you saying that. You were like, yeah. oh, there was a point. Not, not that it really changed anything from your perspective, but there was a point where you were just a bit more like... I could be compassionate yeah, to Yeah, you, you, like, you, you were a dick, but now I sort of see why you were mm. being a dick because yeah. that could there's still, there's still There was still never a justification for it, but I could at least have some empathy. Yep. You know, and that's what we always can try and find in any situation. If you can find empathy for your worst enemy, then it's a, it's a really good place to be. You know, and I wouldn't not to say that my dad's my worst enemy, um, but... As a saying, you know, if you can feel forgiveness as well and compassion and understanding for what they had been through, what they had lost, that they they were suffering. So it's always a good thing to try and put yourself in their, in their shoes. Um, but yeah, to answer that original question, yeah, you can, I can link it to my mum and mum and dad for the most part. And I do feel like I've done the majority, but I always feel like there's stuff, there's always more to do. Okay, moving on from that, but also sort of taking a little bit of a step back. The next question was, when you say doing the work, what does that really mean? And that's <laughs> actually quite a good answer in that at that time because that feels like we've just been doing a live and somebody's come in and, and asked you about a previous <laughs> question. But, um, yeah, when you say doing the work, what does that really mean? I think doing the work means asking questions of yourself and looking in places that you don't 
that you don't like to look. So it's it's daily inventory of how you behave and how you feel um, and constantly wanting to do better. I think there's also to do the work, you have to grasp some level of spirituality and you have to also grasp the concept of the universe and the law of attraction. You know, doing the work is being consistent every day, looking at all of those areas, but mostly just really understanding yourself, understand who you are, why you are the way you are, what, what, what makes you tick? What do you love? What do you hate? You know, what makes you feel good? You know, or what do you think makes you feel good, but actually isn't good for you at all? And why do I do it then? You know, so it's just constantly asking the question of yourself. Am I being the best version of myself? And am I doing everything I can to be that best version of myself? And being patient and compassionate to yourself whilst you go through that process, because it's fucking hard. <laughs> but I could obviously say and go down the lines of, yeah, doing the work for me looks like this, 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 and this. Yeah, and yeah. It's different for everybody. And I do think doing the work for everybody could consist of um, breath work, cold water, meditation, journaling, and singing. Um, even if you don't like any of those things, if you did all of them every single day, you will start to heal and you will start to understand more about yourself and feel good, feel better daily, 100%. I just, I don't think there's any denying it. I just think some people may not enjoy it as much as others, but regardless if you enjoy it or not, it's, it's irrelevant. I still think there's science and evidence to yeah. support it. Yeah, 100%. Um, but I think you have to, you have to find your own way as well with other things, you know, singing is something I love. And it just so happens that that, that actually heals the vagus nerve and strengthens the vagus nerve, which is the link between the brain and the stomach and various other places. Um, but if you're doing stuff that heals that or strengthens the vagus nerve, it's really, very, very good for healing. Um, so anything that you can find similar to that, that you can do, but it's being consistent every day with all of that stuff. Okay, so the final question isn't really, well, it is a question, but it's related around money. Um, and I think it's because you two might have spoke about um, the topic briefly in one of the podcasts, but um, I think it was when you were talking about success and becoming successful and what you'd done with your companies and stuff. But the question is, having money and coming into money, did that change you? Yeah, Johnny Depp said a brilliant thing. It says money, he said, um, money doesn't change you, it reveals you. And I thought that was like so spot on for how it worked in my life because I don't think it changed me. I think it just enhanced and brought out all of the shit that was actually inside. You know, it, in terms of, it just made all of my insecurities come out more and all of my worst character defects come out more. All of my bad behaviours come out more more, more, more of everything basically. And then I just became, because when I first started my company, the first one, the probably the biggest company that I'd made um, was, I was like 21 and I was just so like excited and happy to be like this young buck, just smashing life. And I just wanted everybody around me to do well. And I loved helping people. I loved training them. I loved watching my process that I had learned. There was definitely a lot of ego stuff into it, but I loved I loved being the, the man. I loved being the one that everybody came to for advice and, and, and I was good at it. Um, so I, I loved that and I loved helping. I gave people my time and I made people successful 
you know, one of my mates was a greenkeeper, went, uh, earning 13 grand a year. And in his second year with me, he earned over 100 grand. It's like, I give him that. You know, I was so happy doing that with him and helping him and supporting him. And I would have done it for anybody that, uh, that, that needed it. And But over a period of time, the more money I got, the less of that I was, the more arrogant I became, the more... I'm the big fucking I am. It just it just got so into my ego being successful at so young and all of my just defects of character came out like I was just invincible, nothing could hurt me, no one can touch me, I can say and do whatever the fuck I want, I'm going to treat women like shit, I'm going to be disloyal, I'm going to be, yeah, just awful. Oh, I just became the worst person. I was just so rude to people in the office, I was always late I was never want I didn't want to help anybody I didn't like and so unless you was in my clique you'd fuck off basically like I'm not interested and you'd get bullied you'd take the piss out of people I'd encourage others to take the piss out of people to the point where they were crying and walking out of the office oh, it was dreadful it was dreadful so I don't know that it changed me I just think that it brought out all of my worst parts of me that were already there yeah. you know through having too much yeah that money just made I don't know how that works I don't know why it's so interesting but it really does it's like almost like power as well maybe power yeah. having that power and the ability to say and do whatever I want and know that I'm the fucking boss mm. it, it did something to me really in a really negative way so yeah that's my answer to that mate well so my opinion is that you know the old saying of um, money can't buy happiness. Mm. So I disagree with it. Mm. I think the money can buy happiness and mm. it'd be really interesting to get your view because obviously we're in different positions anyway. But yeah, just to, I mean, not in a direct sense. So I don't think that you could put a whole bunch of money in someone's bank account. And it, it's, again, I think it's worth noting that like me and you and Liam when mm. he's on the podcast and anyone else in the world that's listening to this podcast are all going to be in completely different positions and every one of them considers what a, a different number to be. Do you know what I mean? We're all in different 60 grand to you might not be a lot, whereas someone out there might be like, if you put five grand in my account, it changed my life. Yeah, Do for, sure, I mean? so for everyone, sure. Everyone's in different places. And I think that, I think the, the better way of phrasing it is that money doesn't buy happiness, but it does buy freedom. And I mm. think with freedom, you find happiness because... Not can, always, though. You can find happiness. That person might not decide to do that. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? So in that freedom, they might buy loads of fucking drugs. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah. so yeah. It, it isn't the money. It's the person. It's the individual. But... Yeah, that's, th that, that's very true. That is very, very true. So, for, right, let's say, for example, someone is suicidal. They want to die. They're genuinely considering ending their life. You give them ten million pounds, doesn't change that they still feel fucking want like they want to die. Mm. You know, and and but then you could you could caveat that wouldn't say unless the reason they wanted to die was because they want they were in so much debt. Mm. Oh, okay. So money does change that person's life a lot. Mm. And would it take them off the edge? Maybe it would, but. Mm, would they just end up in the same place again because they're so terrible at managing money? Unless oh, yeah. they invested that money wisely, unless they were smart with it, in fucking three years, they'd be in the same position. Mm. So the money didn't change anything. They're still that person. They have to change. Mm. It would have given them the opportunity to change, mm. but it didn't change them. Yeah. It, 
I think what I mean by that as well is you're right in, in saying that it's definitely more about the individual person mm. and what they attach to or what they attach that money to or mm. what their intentions are with that money. Mm. But I think, yeah, what, what, I, what I mean is that if you was to put much, just a figure into someone's bank account, that might make them temporarily really happy. They might be like, wow, you've mm. just put 30 mm. grand in my account. That's amazing. That makes me feel really good. And I definitely don't think that going out and buying the latest like £500 pair of Nikes or going out and buying a Lamborghini, for example, or something like that. Like, again, I'm not really into that whole material thing. I'd like to have one one time in my life just to see what it would be like to drive it. But I'd, yeah. I'm really, I'd rather, you know me anyway, I'd rather have, there's a, there's a Jeep that I really want to get. I want to get the old Silverado 1980s truck that all yeah. the country singers drive yeah, from, about, yeah, from about 20, 30 years ago. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't think in that sense, I don't think buying things, I don't think buying material things. And I know that you guys have had discussions before about how you attach happiness to like the house, the car, all of that stuff. Yeah. I don't, I personally don't agree with that. I don't think that you are going to find your happiness in those things. And I do think you're right in finding it in self-worth and in yourself. But I do think that if you had money and that money put into your account, it brings you safety, it brings you security, it can pay your bills. If it's a large amount of money, it can pay your bills for a year so you don't have to worry about those things and then you can really focus on... Like, for example, if somebody put 100 grand in my bank account, I'd put enough aside to pay the mortgage and everything else for the next year, two years, and then in that time, you've got no worries about anything. You can just focus on the thing. And the things that you love might be taking your family on holidays. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what it does. That's what it does. Yeah, I think... So that's, sorry, just to cut in on you, that's why I think that money can buy happiness. Because if the intention is right... I don't think it it can buy the happiness. It can buy the opportunity to build happiness. Yeah. Because if you waste that opportunity... Like we said, you know, the wrong person with the wrong with all that money could waste it. Mm. But what it will give you is freedom and time to. So, let's say, for example, that same scenario: someone was depressed, wanted to kill themselves, but you gave them ten million pounds. That ten million pounds bought them the freedom and the resource to invest in themselves so much that they improved their self worth. They got the mental health support they needed. They got. They invested in growing their self-worth every single day for the next three or four years because they didn't need to work, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah. That's bought them happiness, but it wasn't the money that bought the happiness. It bought the opportunity. He had True. to make the decision. Do you know what I mean? So I don't think it, it can buy you happiness. It can give you the opportunity to pursue. And I don't think we should ever pursue happiness. We should always pursue self-worth because in doing so, you'll achieve happiness anyway. Yeah. You know, so it's like if you if you pursue some if you pursue happiness, normally you're then you've got an objective like right, what can, what's going to make me happy? A really nice car, or really this, or really that, yeah. or big this and a big that. Okay, but then you pursue those things and they make you happy momentarily, but then inside you still might be fucked. Mm. You know, unless you've already got your self worth down, cool, go for those things. Yeah, if yeah. you if you're investing in your self worth already, and you know that money is just that extra, you know, all those external things are just in addition to you being yeah. happy. But if you're getting all those things, they're never going to last. They're just going to make you feel happy temporarily. Again, you've wasted the opportunity. You didn't invest it. You could have bought something that gave you freedom and time so that then you could have the ability to work on yourself and make yourself internally um, content and happy and love who you are. That's that's what we should all pursue, in my view, not happiness. Mm. You you pursue that, you're going to be happy. You pursue happiness, you're going to look at something external to try and make you happy. 
I don't think any of that will work. Yeah. I think if you if you were given ten million pounds and your your focus was right, okay, I can now focus on me. You're going to be happy. Mm. If you've got ten million pounds, you right. How am I going to spend it? Yeah. What am I going to buy? Well, I can get a Lambo. I can get this. I can get that. It's like okay, that's not the fucking goal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All you should be looking at is right. It's giving me the time and the freedom. That's what I do with my life now. When I've, everything I've done is because I wanted to make myself happy. I wanted to make. I wanted to improve myself worth. So. What, what I what gate what I wanted was time. The reason I quit my job where I was earning ten thousand pound a month was because of the way they treated me. And I was like, this is making me unhappy. Mm. So it wasn't I left because I want to go and do this. It's going to make me more money. I left because this is making me unhappy. It's affecting my mental health, and I I don't see it as benefiting my journey. That I'm on self discovery and self healing. All I see it is something that's making me miserable. And if I have if I go and work for myself, I've got the freedom and the time to do whatever I want when I want to do it to make myself happy. Mm. You know, like, not, and then it only occurred to me like 18 months in, I didn't do a deal for like five months, but I was happy. I was earning half the money. I paid five grand a month when I first started, but I was happier because I had my time, had my freedom to invest in myself, to not, I could wake up when I wanted, I could work when I wanted. That made me happy. Do you know what I mean? That made that made me happy, and I had all the time and the energy, and I was using that time wisely as well yeah. to build myself up yeah. to and, get to and, a point of strength and, and, and effectively do do things that bring you joy. Mm, joy, yeah. yeah for I sure. think I think that Tony Robbins sums all of everything that you think about up in the best sentence where he says, um, "Living an exceptional life on your terms," mm. and I love that. I think mm. that's brilliant. That's it. That's the goal. It's like from any career perspective, like entrepreneurs are different, aren't they? Like serial entrepreneurs, they don't, they live to work. That's their, like Elon Musk. Do you know what I mean? The guy who sleeps like four hours a day and then works like 90% of the time. Insane. Steve Jobs, another one. It's like they live, their, their self-worth is almost invested in what they can create. Yeah. And that's, it's beautiful, but you know, they're, very few and far between. I think outside of those, those types of people, I think we should just be looking to to achieve freedom, time, getting off the matrix, off the mill. Yeah, yeah. You know, the jet, do you know what I mean? I just think like run it. But again, that's my version because some people are so content and happy. There's people that are working nine to fives earning fucking 30 grand a year that are probably so much more content with life than I am. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's all down to perspective and, and what works for each individual. But if you can, again, that person who's on 30 grand a year has found something in here. Mm. They've locked it in. They're content. They're happy in themselves. There's nothing more they want mm. from life than what they've got. Do you know what I mean? So mm. that's why you can say money definitely doesn't buy you happiness, in my opinion. Mm. <laughs> it's free. Yeah. Cool. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, you can wrap it up. Just quickly, um, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a Joe Rogan episode where he speaks about um, the most successful people or the most successful you'll ever feel are the people that have been through struggle. And mm. then he goes on the whole episode talking about how, like, it's like an appreciative thing. Yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. If, if you're... You're, if you come out of, uh, you know, you've got these kids in America that have like sweet 16 where they get a Porsche for their 16th birthday yeah, and they fucking go, hell. go through that. And then it turns out that like when they get to like 21, they're fucking off their head on drugs and yeah, they commit yeah, suicide yeah. at 29. Yeah, yeah. Whereas he's like, if you see people that have fucking struggled, yeah, proper yeah. struggled, four. like fucking trying to feed four kids with like 
food stamps and like mm. a small fucking apartment where people get shot outside. Yeah. Um, and then they go through and they grind with their business when they get to that point where they are successful. Like mm. they don't go off the rails. They nah, don't. They, they, they don't want to lose it. Yeah, yeah. They're very. Uh, they're very. They're, they're just aware of how hard they've worked and to I guess get, that brings yeah, yeah. you a lot of self-worth as well because yeah. you, you appreciate yourself for what you've done to get there it's like I see this video about um, how difficult it would be to be a millionaire's son a billionaire's son mm. because nothing you do will ever matter mm. yeah fuck nothing mm. totally true do you know what I mean? So that's the difficulty that they live with. And it's like, oh, you fucking got everything. It's like, no, I can never really achieve anything mm. because if I look, what, there's no point. Mm. There is no, I can have anything I want. And also, nothing I ever do will be as good as what my dad done or my mum's done. Yeah. I'll never live up to that. And anything that I, if anything I achieve will always be accredited to them mm. because they, they have given me the foundation. So, yeah. what's the fucking point in yeah, living? Fuck that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'd rather not have that. That is a tough... Honestly, I'd rather not have that. Yeah, that's tough. Or would you rather be someone who had nothing, worked their way up, grew millions and millions of pounds of a successful business and became something brilliant? Do you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, great. I've got the opportunity to do that. They don't even have that opportunity. They can't. Sucks. It's crazy, isn't it? Like, you think people wish for that. Wish my parents were well rich so I could have everything. Hmm, really? Doesn't sound too fucking great to me to never be able to achieve anything really you know difficult difficult awesome great end to the fucking podcast loved it good effort thanks G for filling in you're a legend